The Gonzaga Bulldogs have a new member of the College Basketball Hall of Fame and for a second straight year could win a coveted ESPY award. We are going to break down the award calendar in today's show while also looking at a few milestones for some pro Zags and sharing a fan story from a former athlete right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag Athletics. I also want to thank all of you who have continued to make Locked On Zags your first listen or first watch of the day as we get to the very end of the month of June. Still going strong five days per week here on Locked On Zags, and I appreciate every single one of you who listens to one episode a week, two episodes a week, or all five episodes per week. Today, we got a good one. We are going to be chatting about the latest updates for a couple of pro Zags and, of course, a couple of updates on the award circuit. We're going to talk first about Chet Holmgren, who is nominated for an ESPY award it's a big one. He is nominated for the best college athlete in the men's sports division. Uh, he's one of four finalists for the for this award. Excuse me, alongside Bryce Young, the Alabama quarterback, Dante Pulvara from Georgetown's soccer program, and Logan Wisnowska from Maryland's lacrosse program. Really cool accomplishment for Chet. Uh, obviously was one of the faces of college basketball last season, was the number one overall recruit coming into the season. Did not disappoint on the basketball court. Sure, he did not score 20 points per game like some people expected him to do, uh, but he was a menace on both ends of the floor, an elite scoring big man, from, especially from the perimeter, one of the best, if not the best defensive player in all of college basketball last year, a name that everybody who follows sports pretty much across the country is aware of. Really, really cool to see him get this uh, nomination, potentially win this award here. Gonzaga has been fairly well represented at the ESPYs the last couple of years. I'm a little bit surprised that Chet did get nominated for this, uh, not because I don't think that he's deserving. He's one of the best college athletes on the planet this past season, but just because there was other, ba- Palo Bancaro, certainly Jabari Smith, uh, certainly some other names of non-freshmen, Oscar Shubway, et cetera, et cetera, who even Drew Timmy, who frankly was such a, a force just in terms of name recognition, notoriety throughout the college basketball season. A little surprised Chet was the one who got the nomination, but again, very, very deserving for him. A player who lived up to the expectations as much as some people may have felt like he didn't. He did. He came in, he dominated on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, He changed Gonzaga's defense entirely when he was on the floor. Uh, He changed their offense when he was on the floor. Uh, Unfortunately, Gonzaga did not advance as far as people would have hoped for them to do this last season, but that does not uh, take away anything from what Chet Holmgren was able to accomplish individually uh, as a member of the Gonzaga Bulldogs last year. Uh, The award is going to be announced July 20th at 5 p.m. Pacific time is when the ESPYs will take place. So we will get a sense then of whether Chet Holmgren is going to win an ESPY. And if he does, it would be the second consecutive year that the Zags have won an ESPY award. Of course, last year they were nominated and, of course, won for best game of the season for the Gonzaga and UCLA game in the Final Four. 
no surprises there either. Not only was that game epic because of Jalen Suggs' nearly half-court shot to end the tie and send Gonzaga to victory and to their second ever national championship game, but it was a really good game before that. I think that that's, I don't think people forget that, certainly not Gonzaga fans. We were all breathing very heavily from the tip of that game all the way until the very end, but I think a lot of people remember good game that had a game-winning shot, and it was a great, great Great game of basketball. The battle between Mark Few and Mick Cronin, Johnny Juzang, Jules Bernard, uh, Jaime Jaquez, all hitting incredibly big shots. Just play after play after play. Drew Timmy was a monster in that game as well. Of course, Jalen Suggs hitting that game, that huge shot, also had a really big game leading up to that as well. Would be really cool. The Zags, there could be a much larger conversation here, and perhaps we'll have it as the SBs get closer about how. Gonzaga is really moved into the national lexicon. Like, it's not surprising to see things that happen at this school be part of SB-type conversations. Like, they're some of the biggest sports news, sports stories around all of college basketball, all of college sports, really. When something big happens at Gonzaga in the past, it might make local headlines. It might make college basketball headlines. Ten years ago, I think things that happened at Gonzaga would be like, relatively big headlines. Kelly Olenek was an All-American about 10 years ago. That was a big deal. You know, that was that was important, obviously, that it happened, and it was national news. Kelly Olenek was a nationally recognized name. But there hadn't been a ton outside, of course, of Adam Morrison, which is, he's a bit of an anomaly in this conversation. But it wasn't something that was happening with on a year-to-year basis at Gonzaga. It is now. It is now. When something big happens at Gonzaga, it's national news every time. When Gonzaga gets their top recruit, it's usually one of the top recruits in the country year in and year out. So this is something that is a change for for younger Gonzaga fans. It maybe doesn't feel like as big of a change Uh, for those who have been around for a little bit longer or for those who have been following this team for a very long time. It's a it's a monumental shift and a very huge change. And I think it's something that. I don't want to say Gonzaga fans take for granted because I don't think that the majority of the fan base does, but it is hard to understand that it, you know this isn't like the University of Washington or Alabama or Clemson or other programs where like they've been a part of the national conversation in their respective sports for decades upon decades upon decades. That's a really new thing at Gonzaga, and it's very cool to see you know their star freshman player be nominated as one of the best male college athletes in the entire country. Next up, when we're talking awards, we're talking Hall of Fame, we're talking College Basketball Hall of Fame, Jerry Krause. And no, not that Jerry Krause. I had to do a double take. I'm sure other people who are not plugged into Gonzaga or Eastern Washington basketball certainly had to do a double take because people thought of the executive for the Chicago Bulls, especially people who watched The Last Dance very recently because he was a very prominent character in that documentary. But Jerry Krause, the former Eastern Washington head coach and longtime director of basketball operations at Gonzaga, has been nominated into the College Basketball Hall of Fame, a tremendous, tremendous accomplishment for Krause. For those who don't know, Krause was the head coach at Eastern Washington University from 1967 to 1985. He was a very long-time coach over there, helped lead them through the NAIA era into Division II. I don't think they'd quite made it to Division One before he left the university, but had a ton of success there. Many, many really excellent seasons. He continues to be involved in basketball for the rest of his life. He has maintained a, a very active basketball-focused lifestyle. He's a lifer. He's a basketball lifer. There are just people who who cannot ever pull themselves away from the sport that they love. 
Kraus very much fits into that category. He was the Gonzaga Dobo from 1995 to 2015. 20 years! 20 years Kraus spent as the director of basketball operations at Gonzaga for the majority of the early part, all of Mark Few's early tenure at Gonzaga. He was there for Monson uh, as well. He tracked analytics for the Zags and he was ahead of the pack. There's a really great article written about how he was tracking some of the advanced analytics well before that was kind of a commonly done thing. Mark Few is not somebody who speaks very openly about analytics. He's certainly not a Todd Golden type in that regard where they kind of use a lot more statistical models and inform a lot of the decisions on the court based on some of those analytics. But Mark Few does use them. He does understand them. And Kraus had a lot to do with that, with his education, with his growth in that area, and kind of being on the cutting edge of that becoming a more prominent part of the game of college basketball in general. That's one of many, many contributions that Kraus has made to the game of college basketball. He also authored a book called Basketball Skills and Drills, which is one of the most preeminent fundamentals books about basketballs. It's used by youth coaches all across the country. He also won the Guardians of the Game for Advocacy Award, which is an award that I think they should perhaps change the name of because that is a tremendous mouthful to have to say. Uh, He won this award back in 2003 for his research on standardized rim testing programs to help make sure that the rims are all up to to standard uh, across the country. He has been in and around college basketball and just the game of basketball in general for decades upon decades upon decades. He has been around the basketball in the inland Northwest forever, dating back to the 60s at Eastern Washington, of course, retiring from Gonzaga in 2015. I, that is a tremendous life spent built building basketball in the inland Northwest to be a part of that, to be a part of Gonzaga's rise. It's a really, really awesome thing for him and obviously well-deserved for him to be in the College Basketball Hall of Fame. He was inducted in Eastern Washington's Hall of Fame way back in 2005, so for him to now get this honor in the College Basketball Hall of Fame, alongside other really prominent coaches, Roy Williams officially went in, although he was honored a while back, but he had not retired yet. He is now in the Hall of Fame. Rip Hamilton uh, was another player inducted into the Hall of Fame this past cycle as well, so for Krause to be a part of that group is, is a really incredible accomplishment for him and and a great accomplishment for Gonzaga as well. Somebody who was around their program for decades is now getting their due in the Hall of Fame. First of many, not first, but one of many who has gone into the College Basketball Hall of Fame. There will be plenty, plenty more from Gonzaga, including few himself uh, in, in days to come. All right, we're going to come back in the second segment. We're going to talk about Kyle Wilcher's new uniform. We're going to talk about Courtney Vandersloot's latest career milestone. But before we get there, we're going to talk about rockauto.com. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Plus, Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. I just had my 13-year-old car serviced recently, and I can tell you, having one place to buy all the parts I need makes things infinitely easier. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. 
Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, segment two. Still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags. Still talking about the latest headlines in the Gonzaga athletics realm. Today we're talking Courtney Vandersloot named a WNBA All-Star Reserve. She did not get in as a starter, which is done by fan voting, but she was selected to be a reserve. Uh, Courtney's having an excellent, excellent season for the defending champion, Chicago Sky. In 18 games so far this season, she's averaging 12.6 points, which is just off her career high, 6.7 assists per game, and she is shooting 40.8% from three. That does represent a career high in her, I believe, 11th WNBA season. She is continuing to improve her game, even though she's been in the league for over a decade, now shooting over 40% from three for the first time in her career. Not only that, she has really leaned into the clutch gene this year, hit herself a couple of game winners very recently, hit a really, really nice pull-up three as the clock expired to give Chicago a victory. Again, for Courtney, another great accomplishment in a career that is chock full of amazing accomplishments. She's been one of the greatest women's basketball players in the history of the sport. And now, basically on the same day that she was named a WNBA reserve for the All-Star Game, She became one of just three WNBA players of all time with over 2,300 career assists. Her chase to catch Sue Bird all time continues. Sue Bird is quite a bit ahead of her at this point, but of course Bird very recently announced that the current season she is playing will be her final season for the 41-year-old WNBA superstar all-time great. Shout out to Sue Bird. Nobody deserves retirement more than her, but she has been absolutely fantastic throughout her career in Seattle. But this gives Courtney a chance to potentially move and catch her. She's still a long ways away. She's probably going to have to play just about as long as Sue played in order to get there. But barring injuries or a sudden drop off in her performance... You know, she's in her early 30s now, and she has continued to be as good or better than she was earlier in her career. So there's no reason to think that she's slowing down anytime soon, but it's not an easy task to potentially get up to being the all-time assist leader in the WNBA. A recent episode I had with Howard Megdahl, the host of the Locked On Women's Basketball podcast and the creator of The Next, which is a phenomenal women's basketball website and daily newsletter. Check it out if you have not done so yet. It is excellent. He was on the podcast a few weeks ago. He thinks that Courtney's going to do it. He firmly believes that Courtney has the ability to be the WNBA's greatest passer of all time and leader in assists. I maintain that would be one of the coolest things to ever happen at Gonzaga, not just because having the WNBA assist leader come from your school is very, very cool, but Gonzaga would then, of course, have the assist leader in the WNBA and the NBA because I don't think anybody is catching John Stockton's record for career assists anytime super soon. So if John Stockton and Courtney Vandersloot were respectively the leaders in the NBA and WNBA for all-time assists, both Gonzaga alumni, what an incredibly cool accomplishment for the school, uh, the university, the program in general. Next up, Kyle Wilcher. Kyle Wilcher is going to play for Team Bayheim's Army in TBT, the basketball tournament. Of course, Gonzaga has previously had their own team in the basketball tournament. It was quite a few years ago that they have it. They haven't had a team recently, uh, which is a bummer. 
it's a bummer. Seeing Kyle Wiltshire play for a team full of Syracuse alumni, a team named after Syracuse's head coach, particularly when Gonzaga does not have a particularly fun relationship with Syracuse. They have defeated Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament at least twice. I feel like I'm missing it at least one time, but I know they defeated them in 2016. I know they defeated them in 2009, ended their seasons. Uh, so seeing Kyle Wiltshire play for that team, I, I don't have harbor any ill feelings towards him. He's just trying to play basketball and play on a team that has the opportunity to win themselves a lot of money. Don't fault him whatsoever, but would love to see Gonzaga potentially try to get back into the, the basketball tournament. I think that when they first did it, they didn't have enough of an alumni base of like recent young alumni who were playing overseas and really kind of hungry to participate in an event like this. But now they do. And I can't speak for every one of these alumni and knowing whether this is something they're interested in doing, whether they're healthy enough to do this, interested enough going to travel back to the United States to do it. There's a lot of factors at play to make something like this happen. But just off the top of my head, you look at a list of guys who, who could conceivably participate in this. We know Kyle Wiltshire is interested in participating. Josh Perkins is somebody who'd be interested in participating. Other names would include Jonathan Williams, Admon Gilder, Ryan Woolridge, both of those guys. Uh, Jeremy Jones, potentially, Eric McClellan, Silas Melson, Kevin Pangos, Zach Norvell, depending what happens with Joel Ayayi, he could be interested in participating in an event like that. Uh, there are 5, 10, maybe 15 names that I'm not even thinking of that, that could absolutely be players who would be willing to participate in a Gonzaga-themed TBT event. Uh, so I'd love to see it. I, again, I don't know if there's somebody behind the scenes who's trying to put this together for Gonzaga or not, uh, but I think it would be something that, that would be really, really fun. But also shout out for Kyle Wilcher. It's, it's it's rare that I root for Syracuse people, but I'm going to be rooting for him uh, and I'm going to be rooting for his team to have some success in uh, the basketball tournament this year. Final update before we move on to segment three and our fan story Friday. Uh, David Stockton has been replaced on the Team USA roster. Uh, he suffered a hand injury and will be out for the future for that team. He was replaced on the team by Xavier Munford out of Rhode Island. Uh, he played in two games during the qualifying window back in February of 2022. Stockton did, and he averaged 10.5 points and two boards during that window of time. This would have been David's second time representing Team USA in the FIBA games. He was with them in 2018. He appeared in two games with the team back then, averaging 11.5 points, three boards, and two and a half assists per game. A bummer for David that obviously you never want to see any former Zags get hurt. Uh, it's a bummer for him that he doesn't get the opportunity to throw on the Team USA jersey and get to represent the team. I think it's very cool that he has already done so, that he did it back in 2018. I think it's very cool that he was invited back to do it again here because just when I pulled up the article and I saw a picture of David wearing a Team USA jersey, it's it's cool. It's a cool it's a cool thing for him to get a chance to do that because of course you know his father John was was a a member of the Dream Team in 1992, also won an Olympic medal with Team USA in 1996 as well. So he's a two time Olympian, uh, an Olympic champion. He's has worn a Team USA jersey you know multiple times, and for David to to kind of follow in his dad's footsteps and get the not only be you know, and talented enough to be invited to participate in this, but to choose to willingly do so when a lot of players do kind of opt out of this for fear of injury, like what happened here with David and, and situations like that. It's just very cool to see to see him do that and to see him kind of honor his father and, and represent our country. Uh, it's a bummer that he got hurt, but I'm happy that he was more happy now that he was on that team back in 2018. So at least he did get to experience it uh, before the injury here took him out in 2022. 
right, we're going to close out today's episode with a fan story Friday. I know it's a day early, but we got a fun episode coming your way on Friday, so that's why we're moving it up a day. It's a former Gonzaga student athlete. He shares his story. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about Bet Online. College basketball may be deep into the offseason, but the MLB, WNBA, and MLS seasons are heating up into the summer months. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They even have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags, and we're moving it up a day early. Fan Story Thursday doesn't quite have the same ring to it as Fan Story Friday, but that's what we're rolling with today. Haven't done this in a few weeks, but for those of you who have missed it, it's an opportunity for fans of the of the Locked On Zags podcast, Gonzaga fans in general, to share stories with me about the, the initial goal was to share stories about times that they met uh, former Gonzaga athletes or coaches or other Zags, just kind of Zags meeting Zags and sharing those stories. I've kind of let anybody who writes a story that they want me to share on the podcast, if I deem it appropriate, I will I will read it on the show. And this latest show, uh, this latest story, excuse me, comes from Jeff Rigby. He is a Gonzaga track and field athlete from two, who graduated back in 2005. He shared this story with me, and I'm just going to read it verbatim. He says, For most of my life leading up to my college decision, it had always been my plan to go to Stanford. Then, at the beginning of my senior year in high school in 1997, came a knock on my door from a Gonzaga recruiter inviting me to get to know more about Gonzaga. Little did I know at the time, but that first visit triggered a series of events that would change everything for me. Despite giving the Gonzaga folks several reasons to not be interested in me, they kept coming and finally I agreed to come visit the school in Spokane. As luck would have it, my Gonzaga visit came before my other visits, and those three days went so remarkably well that I basically signed that weekend in 1998. As a Gonzaga athlete, my story is no different than most Gonzaga athletes from the late 90s and early 2000s. As an undervalued athlete who was either a late bloomer or had some performance consistency issues in high school for various reasons. That was commonplace with athletes at Gonzaga back then. What is remarkable is how often Gonzaga folks were right back then about the people they brought in and how successful many of us were, at least in college sports. Those were absolutely remarkable years, especially my first year in 98-99. Those of us who were there toward the end of the school year knew everything was about to change in a major way for Gonzaga as a whole. Basketball, of course, received most of the attention with the unbelievable year they had in 1999. They absolutely deserved everything they got. In 98-99, there were only 2731 undergrad students at Gonzaga, which is less than one-third of what Gonzaga has now. And to this day, almost 25 years later, the way Gonzaga's campus absolutely exploded when Casey Calvary hit the buzzer-beating shot to beat Florida in the Sweet 16 of the 1999 NCAA tournament and advance Gonzaga to its first Elite Eight is still one of the most magical moments of my life. 
And then Gonzaga basketball made it back to the Sweet 16 the next two years after that. With the sense of supreme confidence that existed back then, I never would have guessed that it would not be until 2015 that the Zags would get to the Elite Eight again, or that Gonzaga would not see multiple years in a row getting to at least the Sweet 16 until the current nine-year run. My freshman year also provided me with one of the most remarkable personal experiences when in late September 1999, I went into Gonzaga athletic training to get some something worked on before my afternoon practice. After somewhere between 10 or 15 minutes, it finally occurred to me that the person who had been sitting on the training bench right next to me the whole time was none other than the John Stockton, the first time I met him. He was still playing for the Jazz back then, and the only reason he was there at that time is because the NBA had a strike-shortened year that year that did not start until 10 days before Christmas. Back then, he lived in a house just across Hamilton Street from campus, and we would see him all the time walking around or riding a bike with a child's seat on it around campus. I encountered John Stockton many other times over the next few years, and he is still one of the hardest-working and also kind and decent people I have ever met. My time as a Zag athlete ended almost 20 years ago, and it has been exciting to see Gonzaga continue to grow and develop in more than just basketball. I have lived all across the U.S. and in 43 countries around the world, and not and no matter where I have been or will go, I will always be a Zag for life. Thank you for letting me share. And with that wonderful story from Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time to write it out and for sharing your thoughts with me. I sincerely appreciate it. I know that the listeners appreciate hearing these stories as well. With that story, we are going to end the show for today. Very, very exciting guests coming on the show for Friday. Very, very good end to the week. So do not miss that right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube as well. Finally, thank you again to those of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Locked On WCC may not exist yet, but you can get more informed on the West Coast happenings by making Locked On Pac-12 your second listen of the day. Host Spencer McLaughlin and the local experts of Locked On take you across the Pac-12 in 30 minutes, five times per week. Thank you all for listening, and go Zags!